I would describe this book as like the Bravo TV show of a fantasy, like romance genre, um, dark romance. It's like if Harry Potter was Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Ella Kopakin, who thought the threesome in this book was the most well-written scene. So before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. But if you're just here for the fun-loving conversations, then welcome. We are so glad you're here. Whether you want to read one none, or all of these books that we're reading this month, this week, this year, the choice is up to you. Now, these reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers, so you may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to, no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions and your own hot takes on these books on our Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. That's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week we read The Atlas Six by Alexine Farrell Fulmouth, aka Olive Blake. She's wearing pearls. I feel so unprofessional. I do just want to say I got, oh, you can't see it. Well, you can see the nose. I got my mom tiki glasses for Mother's Day. And so I'm drinking my tequila out of like a tiki glass and it's more fun than I've ever had drinking anything. Wow. I love it. Well, I was going to say welcome, Ella, uh, to the podcast. What are you drinking? But there you go. Now you have it. First I'm drinking thing. tequila out of a like modernized handcrafted tiki glass that I feel really good about myself. Mm, I am drinking tequila out of a regular glass. I shouldn't say, like, it's not a tiki glass. It's like a glass with, like, an abstract face. Yeah, it's very nice. It's very pretty. It's like blown glass with a face. It's like blown glass with a face. Can I see your glass? Um, it's, it's just a normal glass. There's, like, some detailing on it. You can't really see it in the condensation. I mean, I, I say stunning. That's what I say. Yeah. It's tequila, like a spicy lemonade, and then pineapple seltzer. Oh my god, yum. Mm-hmm. Dude, we have like no juice in my house, which is like a real issue when it comes to specifically the time to record this podcast. <laughs> and then I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah, I definitely bought it purely for this reason. Yeah, there you go. I think what's important here is the fact that we are avoiding talking about the book already. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. If for those of you who are familiar with our, let's say, Project Hail Mary episode (laughs) or my side of the interestings episode, (laughs) let's just say we're going to get through it together. But it is going to be a long road. (laughs) It's this one's going to be controversial. I feel like we are going to um, press a lot of Book Talks buttons on this one. This week, we read The Atlas Six by Alexine Farrell Falmouth a.k.a. Olivia Blake. Is it all, is it all of, how do you pronounce that? Is it all of the, I was, I'm going to say Olivia. I was also oh. reading it as like Olivier. <laughs> I was like, Olivier I don't know Blake? what's right. I should have looked this up before we started. I mean, it's not her real name. Honestly, this is how it's going for this book. We're not even going to say her name very much either. And that's her pen name. Alexine is her real name. Alexine, <laughs> which is arguably just as good as Olivia, by the way. I, yeah, this what I. Anyways, this book was published in 2020. I uh, received a 3.7 out of five on Goodreads. And what? <laughs> yeah, and in 2020, the Atlas Six was self-published via Kindle by the author. Mm-hmm. However, it was later republished by Tor Books in 2022 with revisions after it went viral on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Unfortunate. <laughs> yes. So a little bit about Alexine. She uses her pen name for the adult literature genre, and then she uses her real name when she writes young adult literature. And I forgot which one was the difference. So for probably the good first half of this book, I thought we were reading young adult, and I was like, this is a lot of sex in for a young adult, like pretty sexy. And then I was like, oh, this is uh, <laughs> this is adult. <laughs> but it's like not quite sexy enough for adult you know you know what i think that we should just blow through these characters in this plot because i have so many things to say that i can barely contain myself while you get through this intro part okay great so well uh the only other fact i have about her is the pseudonym that she uses she found through a name generator so much of this is making so much sense you know what i mean like yeah she used it to originally um, write anonymous fan fiction. So, of course she did. Of course, and I would she say did. this is a fan fiction of the secret history. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it totally is. Uh, so, anyways, here we go. Main characters: we got Libby, we got Nico, we got Tristan, we got Callum, we got Parisa, we got Reina, and that's it. <laughs> Just kidding. We have Atlas who is not the founder of the Atlas Six, which makes no sense to me. And then, who's the guy Parisa sleeps with? Uh, Darn. Dar- okay, da- I was going to say Darnold. I was like, that's not it. <laughs> it's a little sexier than that. <laughs> I so badly wish that, like, the hottest person in this book had been named Darnold. That would have really made this book so much more tolerable. <laughs> and then I walked Darnold. up to Darnold. <laughs> I love the way his name sounds on my tongue. Darnold. Darnold. <laughs> Missed opportunity. (laughs) Come on, Alexine. Take notes. Take notes, Alexine. Anyways, (laughs) I'll read the summary from Amazon, and then we can kind of really dive into our characters. So the Alexandrian society caretakers of lost knowledge from the greatest civilizations of antiquity are the foremost secret society of magical academiacs. Those who earn a place among the Alexandrians will secure a life of wealth, power, and prestige beyond their wildest dreams, and each decade, only the six most uniquely talented magicians are selected to be considered for initiation. Uh, enter the last round of six, Libby Rhodes and Nico de Verona, unwilling halves of an unfathomable whole who exert uncanny control over every element of physicality. Raina Mori, a naturalist who can intuit the language of life itself. Parisa Kamali, a telepath who can traverse the depths of the subconscious, navigating worlds inside the human mind. Callum Nova, an empath easily mistaken for manipulist illusionist and manipulative illusionist <laughs> who can influence the intimate workings of a person's inner self. Finally, there's Tristan Kane who can see through illusions to a new structure of reality, an ability so rare that neither he nor his peers can fully grasp implications. I'm sorry. As I'm reading this, I'm like, oh my God. Um, and then don't worry, we have more. When the candidates are recruited by the mysterious Atlas Blakely, They are told they have one year to qualify for initiation, during which time they will be permitted preliminary access to the society's archives and judged based on their contributions to various subjects of impossibility, time and space, luck and thought, life and death. Five, they are told, will be initiated. One will be eliminated. The six potential initiates will fight to survive the next year of their lives, and if they can prove themselves to be the best among rivals, most of them will. (sighs) Honestly, if you read that summary, you read the book. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Here's what I want to say before this conversation starts. So this is like for the next three months, you're going to hear all of us having books chosen for us. And so this is the book that Sierra chose for me. And in a way, I deserved it because I gave her a book that I know she's going to hate. So I feel like, you know, I got evened, you know, she evened me. (laughs) Listen. Fantasy is not totally my thing, but I do want to preface this by saying it's like I'm not living under a rock. Like I loved Harry Potter. I was a big Twilight head when it all happened. You know, I I can get with a magical world if that magical world is well written. I this. Yeah. My mom asked what how was the book? 
And I said, she named a character from Paris, Parisa. And <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Yeah, I think Sierra chose it because she was like, dark academia. I feel like Ella could get behind this. And then she was like, I and to give Sierra some credit, she has not read this yet. So she has no uh, background on this book either. But it has been literally like on every single book talk, bookstagram, every single account out there. And so, you know, if you're seeing it all the time, you're like, well, it must be good. People are like, are reading Can I it. ask what like the good reviews are saying? Yes, I can pull some up for you. Because I just truly cannot imagine a world in which people read this and got on board. Yeah. <laughs> it's... <laughs> uh, somebody said generous three stars. One person said, shit, okay, I get the hype now. I fucking love this book. These characters are literally gay for one another, and I ate that shit up, left no crumbs. <laughs> Hmm. I am attracted to every single one of these whores. Hmm. So somebody said, lethally smart, filled with a cast of brilliantly realized characters, each entangled with one another in tortuously delicious ways. Oi. Okay. I guess my take from that is I didn't read the same book. <laughs> also, one of I just have to say this one, too. One of the five stars is all I got to say is Zooey Mama. So that's like the audience we're reading. <laughs> Yeah, so I, what I'm getting is a lot of people who really wanted to get, like, erotic magic read this book, and that's what they got. I mean, where do we even begin? Like, literally where? Okay, I like what you're, I like where you're starting, though. It was definitely, I would describe this book as, like, the Bravo TV show of a fantasy, like, romance genre. Um, dark romance. It's like if Harry Potter was Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And But honestly, like, I would, I would eat that shit up if that was the case. And this is not that. Only because, like I said, it was not quite sexy enough for it to be like a full-blown dark romance, first of all. And then I think you... I, I was even telling my friend who she's like, oh, that's been on my TBR list. What do you think of it? And I was like, it feels like I started this book in the middle of a book and it never like worked itself out. Like it never gave me background on anyone, on anything, on what this thing is. And so the whole time I just felt like I was missing something. First of all, it's it's interesting because I just edited the Babel episode, which hopefully you guys have listened to at this point. If you're if you're a loyal audience member, and Rebecca, shout out to my other co-host here, talked a lot about like creating an actual magical system in a book in that episode, and this, that's really helpful for this episode in that the magic she talked about was so foreign even to her that no one understood it. So she tried to create this idea of these elite magicians and this world in which there exists this whole subset of magicians who are welcomed in society and go to schools that are specific to their craft. But as you read in the summary, what each person does and the different types of magic that exist in this world are so complex but not in a interesting way, just complex in a way that she got confused by her own logic of explaining them, that half of the book was like trying to decipher what everyone actually did. And so by the time you even get an inkling of how like of what they do, the book's already mostly over and you haven't even being paid you haven't even paid any attention to the plot because you're just trying to figure out the characters. Yeah, I'm still confused on how how Tristan can jump into another dimension slash time slash nobody really knows. And then where Libby ended up, nobody fucking knows. I mean, okay, yeah. Like, also, by the way, if you're reading this book and you don't figure out the plot twist ahead of time, I don't know how to help you be a person. Because the fact that she she was like, oh, this is going to be such a brilliant plot twist. 
but I'm going to put a chapter that's basically just a lead into the plot twist in the middle of the book and then act like it's a big reveal later. I was like, our girl, what? <laughs> like, I love that. I love that she gave us this like hint of Ezra and then acted like, but who could the bad guy be? We just don't know. And it's like, really? Really? We don't know? Because I think you just told it to us on page 100. You want to know what's funny? In the mm-hmm. things under things I liked, <laughs> I, put, I put, I liked the plot twist with Ezra, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I do say but, I say but, it felt a little muted because he felt so like non-essential. You were like, who the fuck is this Ezra guy? And then he like, that she breaks up with him like there right was away. No, that was the thing is like, there's literally no emotional investment in any of this. Here's the thing is, I don't read a lot of fantasy. So I read this book sort of being like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I'm missing something. Like, maybe this is how first books usually go so that you can sort of set up all the characters. But there just felt like so many non-essential characters. Like Gideon. <laughs> yeah, he's in my non-essential uh, category as well. Who lo- and yeah. Max, by the way, Nico has two roommates who are in the first scene who are so crucial to his life. Gideon comes up, maybe. And then also we have to deal with Gideon's mother. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then it- what? <laughs> it sh- she is a mermaid. Yeah, because no that's sense. important, by the way. And and by the way, it's not even like she ends up being part of the bad guy thing. Like she just isn't in the book. <laughs> And I have so many issues with that. And then, like, Gideon and, like, Nico have something. But, like, it's just, like, alluded to, like, they may be in a relationship. Like, they may be having something closer than a friendship. But then it's, like, no, it's not. And then, so you're, like, oh, is that why Gideon is so important to him? And then it just, like, it it keeps, like, hinting at things, but then, like, closes the door on all the hints. And then you're, like it's it's so complicated and also like here's the thing is i am a sucker for for cheesy romance and that will come up in pairings later and i can't wait i honestly today is just a vehicle for me to talk about my pairings (laughs) and i'm very excited for it but even the threesome scene was so complicated that it wasn't sexy (laughs) like literally to even get to the point where i could keep a keep track of who was attracted to who and who was in a relationship with who like the sex was already over before i understood who had had sex and who had a crush on who and who actually liked who i was i was just too i was too invested in the minutiae to understand anything that was happening through this entire book oh yeah it took me at least like two paragraphs into that threesome scene to realize that it was a threesome. I was like, wait, <laughs> I had to reread it. I was like, wait, yes. and then, and then when Parisa was like describing it afterward, I was like, huh? Like, she was like, <laughs> I did it on purpose because of like, I wanted them to like connect, but then she's just like in it. <laughs> Do and I'm like, does she like them? Because it kind of sounds like she likes them, but also she's like, oh no, I'm just using them. But using them for what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's like the what behind it all made no sense. And then what I hated was like, okay, I'm loving the Parisa character because I w- I love to hate a person and then you kind of get their backstory and it's like, you know, the stripper with the heart of gold type deal. And so I'm like, I'm all for that storyline. The fact is we got no background on anyone like oh. at all. And then you have like the scene where Callum like kills her in Nico's head. I was like, that's a fucking cool scene. Like I was I was fooled. I dropped my jaw and then had to pick it up off the floor because I was like, oh, she's actually not dead. And like you're bringing up all this stuff from her past. That's actually cool. I'm but I'm what digging was this. the past? Like I there, don't know. Her brother was mentioned. Her like parents were mentioned. So but- I think she was like abused by her brother. Like Okay. Fiction? I don't know though, but then she was like, "Was was married, or is married? Ran away from an abusive husband?" I don't know. That's the thing. It's like she kept going. Let's add more people. That will make the book more interesting. And I kept going. No, 
just focus on one character for one period of time and then I can understand them. How about Raina? Non-existent character. Never, never been... I go, Raina got the short end of the stick. She got nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Never never been less invested in a character in my life. First of all, like, okay, plants talk to her and she ignores them. I also hated how that was written. The plants... Mother. 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 (laughs) He's like, ew, of course she's ignoring the plants. They're so weird. (laughs) And then she's just like full-on just sparring with Nico. That's, like, her one character. Like, that's, like, her one through line, is she's just sparring with Nico. Okay, but also, (laughs) I know that this is not that deep of a book, so I'm really going to try not to, like, put my analyzation (laughs) hat on. But what was really odd to me was she kept sort of trying to prove that, like, Nico is queer, but at the same time gave him these, like, weird, like, psychosexual rival relationships with Libby and Reyna, but then also was trying to say that he wasn't sexually attracted to them, but was only sexually attracted to Gideon. But it's like, why did he care? He wasn't, though, because he he was going after Parisa pretty freaking hard. What, like, was he, though? Like, I, this is yes. just so confusing. Because like, he was, okay. like, ma- massaging her legs and her oh. calves. <laughs> and then right. was like, I can have casual sex. And she was like, no, you can't. <laughs> like, I think Nico is clearly, like, the one queer character. He's attracted to everybody, I think. But yeah. I was just so... I guess what was confusing to me was... Like, I just... him His relationship with Libby is especially supposed to be the like i guess central plot line if you want to call there even being a central plot line we can get into the atlas and ezra of it all in a second it's just like truly so i've never been so bored by a plot twist in my entire life i just don't understand what the drive is behind it like i'm not an idiot i understand that people can be deep friends and that that can get but it felt like she kept trying to insert like feelings between the two of them she did, because she kept saying, like, Libby was, like, s- noticing him with his shirt off, and that, like, Nico knew Libby would be there when he, like, passed the fuck out trying to fix the house. Right, but then to not, like, it was like she kept trying to insert feelings for them, but then there was never any action on it, and then also Libby ended up with Tristan, and so I guess, again, maybe that's something for the second book. <laughs> Which, go on. (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't see my face. Tristan and Libby's relationship. Let's just stop there for a minute. You're going to tell me that they, like, you know, he treats her like absolute booty hole. And then she's like, ooh, that's attractive. And then, you know, they have like a weird, like, you know, one conversation in her room. And then all of a sudden she's like head over heels for him when she's drinking absinthe with him and Parisa, which leads to the threesome, which is fine, whatever. And then like apparently now they have the deepest relationship in the entire book and that when Libby fake dies, he's like, oh, my God, this is the most upsetting thing that's ever happened to me. And then... I just like I'm like I don't care. The level <laughs> of tox- the level of toxicity coming from all of these people is off of the charts. I mean, Tristan treats Libby like dog shit. Parisa treats everyone like dog shit. Callum is on another level of awful. Like, and also okay. So the whole reveal, there are a few reveals, but the first reveal is that they're going to have to kill somebody if they want to get to the next level. You call Uh, that from the very beginning. Which also, who cares? (laughs) Like, genuinely, who cares? And what is the next level? This is what gets me. (laughs) I don't know what the next level is. What is the next level? What is the Alexandrian society to begin with? First of all, what is the Alexandrian society? What is the forum? What is the forum? Who are these people trying to break in? 
to the Alexandrian society? Why is it not more guarded? And why is it simultaneously the hardest place to access and yet has like terrorists coming through a mile a minute that like these five 20 year olds have to figure out what's happening with it? But they're not like five 20. Like I think some of them, I think that's Parisa, Tristan and Callum are all like 30. Speaking of age, okay, Ezra is ageless or a thousand i don't know but either way little terrifying that he is just prouncing on 21 year old libby being like we're in love with each other (laughs) i was like oh twilight energy okay (laughs) off the charts (laughs) you're like oh maybe am i into this (laughs) (laughs) no but the thing is is somehow stephanie meyer did a lot with twilight but when I was 12 and he said, I'm 107, I was not creeped out. Somehow I was not creeped out that he was creeping on a 17-year-old at 107 years old. This book comes around, and I get it, I'm older this time, so maybe that was a factor, but Ezra saying that he can skip through time and decided to land on Libby as a romantic interest, I was like, son, you need to back up. This is yeah. too weird. It's too weird. But also... Should we muse on the Atlas Ezra of it all? Yes. Before we muse on the Atlas Ezra of it all, I would like to touch on, you touched on Callum slightly. You did a little drive-by. But I want to touch on him just a little bit more in terms of why was he so poorly written? Like he has, honestly, he has the most interesting power. He can make people feel whatever they want to feel. And he can like harness onto everyone's really bad feelings and like do some really bad stuff. So yes, he is the natural villain. And he but you give him nothing. He's just this spoiled brat who's like, eh, whatever. And he's so easy to hate. And so of course you're gonna be like, everyone's wanna like everyone's gonna wanna kill him. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And so you give him like no dimension at all. Well, and that I was hate the thing. That. It's like if you're gonna kill somebody off, <laughs> she made an initially interesting move, which was what if these six people were bonded and knew that they were the most talented people in the world, but had to kill one of them off. That is an interesting dilemma, objectively. But then to make the character that is the most easy to hate so two-dimensional, it just felt Well, first of all, she didn't give any of her characters sufficient backstory for us to feel bad if they had killed anybody. So yeah. that that's step one. I mean, let's talk about Tristan's like crime boss father that we never found anything about and was overshadowing the entire book. I mean, I, yeah. it's truly like in a way it's a talent that she can write so many loose ends and not wrap up <laughs> any of them. But and like it, the rough thing is, is like, you know, that you probably get more in the second book, but you're like, I am just so not into it <laughs> that you're like, I can't even read the second book right now. Well, and maybe it's better. And maybe that's why people like enjoy the first book more is because they read the second book. But I don't know. I also I and maybe this is just a me thing. But the little illustrations of each character in the book <laughs> made me so viscerally upset that I I've never seen Jenna laugh this hard on the podcast. It's true. <laughs> I died so a little bad. inside at every single injury. It literally looked like when we were all 14 and someone was really into fan fiction and started like coming to high school with their art and everyone in ninth grade was like, cool, dude, you keep going with that. That's literally what ended up in the book. <laughs> it is. It is. And then they, I'm sorry, but they spent an inordinate, like, what's the word? In, inordinate. Inordinate amount of time talking about Libby's banks. <laughs> like that poor girl was getting slaughtered with her banks. By the way, <laughs> like, like, okay, to make Libby your main character and then have everyone criticize her like it's eighth grade bullying energy <laughs> is so funny to me. Like, also, okay, <laughs> there's just so many parts of this that were so, and I'm sorry, like, I'm sure Alexandrine is a really nice person. Maybe writing just is not her strong suit, and I feel really bad ripping it to shreds, but, like, mm. babe, you're going to have to try a little harder than the magic version of NYU for me to <laughs> care. 
Okay. Yes. Well, speaking, <laughs> speaking of magical versions of NYU, let's get into Atlas and Ezra as our two main evil boys. Okay. Like, first of all, I really love that the past version of Atlas is super cockney and then the present <laughs> the present version of Atlas just like changes direction completely and tries to become posh. I just think that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, it was really well, you know what's funny is like I found this like free audio book, which you you know, sometimes you sometimes you gotta do if if you're like me and had to finish a book that um you barely started and it's as slow as this one. It was hilarious to hear the difference of this narrator to go. I was like, who the hell is Astro talking to? And then I was like, oh, that's Alice. Dear God. Like, what happened? Oh, my uh, God. I Yeah, I'm sorry. So you didn't see the plot twist coming? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I I don't know what I was expecting. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it coming. That's for sure. Okay, because the the thing to me that was, I don't know, the dead giveaway was her including a very random middle chapter in which she says that Atlas goes into another dimension and says hi to a young, like, guy. And I was like, well, and doesn't she say that it's Ezra? Was that, at- I thought that was Tristan. Oh, maybe it's Tristan. I don't know. But the like, fact that Tristan there was- dream walks and I think comes across Ezra and he's like, oh, hi, I'm Ezra. And they like me. OK, so, yeah. So that scene to me, I was I was like, and by the way, not at all your fault for missing that, because there were so many irrelevant topics in this entire book that it, one could have easily assumed Ezra was just yet another irrelevant character like Gideon and Gideon's yeah. mom. But and <laughs> Max. And everyone that Nico knows. Yeah. I just thought he was like stalkerish boyfriend. Just oh, like okay. I, I uh, Well, the I second to me that uh so that they became that it became apparent that it was someone who got shortchanged, I was like, Ezra. But the way that that was introduced, and then <laughs> like there are just so many elements of this that are so absurd. Like Ezra is the bad guy, but then he time jumps. And realizes that Atlas's plans are bad. So he wants to be the less bad guy and kidnap Libby so that everyone there can understand that Atlas has planned to get the six. I mean, first of all, okay, the initial plan is so hilarious because let's break it down. He and he and Atlas are like, okay, we're going to get together the, the perfect six so that we can create an ideal world. When has that ever worked out in a book to be a good idea? Never. Yeah. So uh, the fact that that was the best that she could come up with going, oh, and they'll actually mean well, but then Atlas will turn out to be a bad guy and he's going to actually use them for bad. And then Ezra's going to have to like end up being the good guy, but he's going to have to kidnap Libby first. I was like, girl, no, (laughs) like absolutely not. Yeah. And then. And then they're just going to leave, like, a dead Libby lookalike doll on the floor. And, like, and this is where I got pissed, is, like, Tristan's going to be the one to figure it out. Like, he doesn't know her. By the way, in this this world, you can buy animations, which are apparently just fake people that are faceless, that you can just, like, get on a black witch, like, a black market, like, the magic (laughs) Black witch market? Black witch market. Like, What? I don't understand. And they got it from Gideon's mom? Is that what I was uh, gathering? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the theme for this episode. I don't know. I I skimmed so many pages. Like, I skimmed many, many, many pages because I could not give a shit about what was going on. I mean, I could have blinked and missed Raina as a character, I could have blinked and missed Dalton. Oh, we haven't even brought up Dalton <laughs> Ellery. What is yeah. Dalton's function? Truly, what is Dalton's function? What is function? his power? What is his power? Why is he there? Why does Atlas care about him? Why does Ezra care about him? I truly c- do not understand. And why does Parisa, like, find a little mini version of him in his mind that, like, dresses in, like, biker clothes? And why does Parisa care about him? I don't. 
I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's so many loose ends. <laughs> there, I, again, <laughs> it's a talent. And no ties got tied. So they're just loose. There's like... And the thing is, loose. it's like... Like you're saying, like, it might be that all of this gets answered in book two and maybe we're just being annoying for not having read book two. But I guess my advice would be that if you can't get people to care enough about book one, then I don't know how to explain to you that you can't leave everything for book two. Yeah, and I'll I'll come back to like, you know, fantasy is not my first genre of choice, but I do love, like, I do really enjoy reading it. And I'll say Daughter of the Moon Goddess, that's a, I think it's just a duology as of right now. And that first book was fabulous. Like, that is a phenomenal book. And, like, I will read that again and again. And it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, but it also wants you to, like, keep reading. And you want to keep reading. This was not that at all. This was not that. And I think it uh, honestly, again, I'm sorry, but it does make a lot of sense that it was self-published first and then picked up. Again, fantasy is not my first choice. Romance isn't my first choice, but I would happily read a smutty book about magic any day. But I didn't even get that here. Like I got one kind of subpar sex scene and literally no romances that I cared about because you're right. No one, everyone, okay, that person who left the good review. Yeah, everyone was obsessed with each other. No one liked each other. Yeah. I mean, as people, like everyone yeah. was sexually attracted to one another and did not care about one another as human beings. And I feel the worst for Libby, who is just a nice person. That's what she's written to be. She's written to be a nice person and everyone shits on her the entire book. And then she falls for a really toxic guy, which honestly lucky for her because at least he's her age. Because the other guy she's been with is like a thousand and he's even more toxic. So, And then she gets kidnapped by that dude. So I, I don't I just don't know where to even go. I mean, this book was honestly worse than Project Hail Mary and that's saying something. Reading Project Hail Mary were the worst few days of my life. And <laughs> I, I mean, it's been topped. I don't know where to go from here. Like, is are there worse books than this? Because if there are, oh, I don't want to go there. <laughs> Ouch. I'm sorry. I really, I, it's, here's it's the thing fine. is, I am not this mean without justifiable reason. Anyone who picks up this book will understand. Yeah. I, I did read a review, too, that said the writing style is very speech heavy, very he said, she said, and like not descriptive. And that's exactly what it is. It's just. Uh, and then I also saw another review that was talking about like there's just a bunch of random conversations between random pairings of the six. And that's like the whole middle section of the book. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that is exactly what it is. It's just they put she puts two different pairs like she puts two different people together and then have them talk about nonsense. And then you're like, are they going to school? Are they learning things? Why are they here? What is the power? Like, where is the power? That That's just like, I, I left this book having so many questions that I don't want the answer to. Like, I don't, I don't care to learn the answer. That's such a beautiful way of putting it. I have so many questions and yet I've never cared less about learning what the answers to them are. And yeah. also I just think, listen, I get it. Making up magic is hard, but you know, I, despite JK Rowling being a, a horrible person, as it turns out, I think she really is the standard for how to write magic in a way that human beings can be rooted in. Mm -hmm. And even though Harry Potter is YA, it's still something that so many people that so many people care deeply about because she found a way from the first book, by the way, not like you don't have to read the whole series to care about it. To make you invested in in her characters and. I think I read every fantasy book, especially every fantasy book to do with magic that I've ever read. I go into sort of comparing it to Harry Potter. And I think you'd be a, 
I mean, basically most people do, I think. Mm-hmm. And especially with the fact that they're at school and especially with the fact that they're supposed to be learning how to be better magicians or better. I mean, first of all, also like not calling them witches was your first mistake. <laughs> Median? Med- medi- Medians? Medians? Medi- 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 like what a horrible name. But I just, I think that she was so reliant on trying to concoct the magic and trying to sound really heady and academic and brilliant that she sacrificed her characters. And by sacrificing her characters, she sacrificed any investment that I would have in the story. Yeah, let's get into our final ratings because I feel like we're kind of like, like recapping our thoughts. I gave it a two out of five, which honestly, two is like a little generous, but Being I feel generous, like I can't, yeah. I can't quite drop down to a one because I, I, no, I won't say it. Um, I, so I said, I feel as though because of its popularity, I had really high expectations, which was my first mistake. So <laughs> from page one, like I was saying, I felt like I was starting in the middle of a book and like I had no context and I got no context. Um, I have no idea what this what these people are, (laughs) like how they function. I don't understand where the magic is coming from. Is everyone in the world magic? Does some people have magic? Do you go to school for it? Are you sharpening your skills? It sounds like they do. Anyways, um, I said the characters just all had such exaggerated qualities that you can't relate to any of them. Like they're all just like, Paris is just so obsessed with sex and manipulating feelings. Callum is, like, so bad that he has no redeeming qualities. Like, Libby's just getting shit on the whole book. She gets, like, no redemption arc at all. She literally gets pulled through a different dimension at the end. This poor girl. Like, Nico has a bunch of important friends that are not important to the storyline. There's just a lot going on. And I don't think it just... Drove me further away from the plot, which, by the way, there is no plot I I could find. There was no climax. There was no, like, rising action, falling action. No. Which is fine if it's done well, but I think there was supposed to be a plot, and we just lost it among everything else. So I said... Yeah, I was like, I. What was the society? Why was it important? What do the schmucks do all day? <laughs> I finished this book with more questions than answers, and like I said before, I genuinely don't want to know the answers. So two out of five. Okay, I do want to say also, just on the note of the plot, the other part that just immediately made me so disinterested was the fact that it took. She wanted to introduce each character being introduced to Atlas. And so that was like six different chapters. And by the sixth character, I was already done. Already bored. Already bored. Uh, I will read for you the review that I wrote for Jenna and I's little prep work. I said, wow, no, thank you. I'll pass. It's been such a poor use of my time. Absolutely not. The threesome scene was the only well-written scene. Most obvious plot twist of all time. I don't think magic is for me long-term. This has been fun, but I'm out. Haven't disliked something this much since Project Hail Mary, which I basically conveyed in this entire episode. I'm sorry. I am so eager to read a fantasy book that I actually like. Um, I have read Dark Academia that I like evidenced by our episode on the maidens so i know that dark academia is something that i am very open to i think that she had a goal to write something like you said at the beginning of this along the lines of the secret history and i think that clearly she has a background in fan fiction like you said so and and this was self-published so both of those things tell me that she didn't have a lot of people checking her and also she was very focused on sort of writing like kind of 
first draft mentality, I guess, is what I would call it, which is what most fan fiction sort of, I think, is, is, you know, let's get to the sex, let's get to the romance. Not that there isn't some very invested fan fiction out there. You know, yeah. I don't want to knock fan fiction. Again, that's what Twilight's done from. Sorry, the Twilight is coming <laughs> up so much, but, you know, maybe one day we'll read it and I can really express my <laughs> tween yeah. love for Twilight on the show. Uh, and apparently continuing love for it. Um, I just don't. I don't have time for books that don't care about its characters. Yep. And I think that I'm a person who gravitates towards more reality-oriented books because those tend to have the most thought-out characters. And so I get really excited when books that are far from reality also have that. And she just didn't have that for me. Mm-hmm. It, this book just had – it had no characters. It had no plot, like you said – It just felt like a lot of people who, with a lot of sexual angst and apparently magic that's too complex to figure out, and, you know, an a thousand-year-old time jumper who doesn't know what he wants. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Oh, oh, and I didn't even give my what number I would give it. I'd give it a one, and to me, that's being generous, because really, I should be giving this like a .25 or a .5, but I'll give it a one. Yeah, we'll give it a one because uh, you wrote a book. That's something to be proud of. Listen, I you haven't wrote done that. a book. I haven't done that either, you know, and that deserves You're at least making one. a shit ton of money off of it, too. <laughs> Maybe what we'll decide from now on on this podcast is you get one point simply for writing a book and anything else is is just extra for how good that book was. There it is. That's what, that's what we'll say. Yeah. And my extra point comes from... Um, I don't even know what I like <laughs> in this book. Oh, I like the fake Parisa death. That whole scene, I was I was into. So, um, you got you got my point for that. Yeah, I think that my point probably stemmed from the fact the from the threesome scene simply because it was so hilarious. <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> the amount of time spent on Parisa's dress in that scene. The amount Anyways. of time spent on Parisa's sex life in this book is unfortunate. <laughs> I think that like all. Yeah, it's really, really funny to write a character in which you're like, don't slut shame her and then spend so much time on her sex life and be really critical of her. And it's just like, okay, so you don't want your characters to slut shame her, but you're doing that right now as you write her. Cool. Cool. Exactly. Well, let's get into pairings. This is what we're most excited for here, where we pick TV shows, movies, other books, and drinks that will pair well with today's book. You want to go first? You want to go second? You want to end the show or start it? I like the idea of trading off, doing one one for one, doing oh, like great. a drink, let's drink. And, I love yeah, that. Let's, let's yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. What should we start with? Let's start with our drinks. Okay. Because I'm excited about mine. Okay. What do you what okay. do you have? Mine, I, I had a Google um fun magical drinks and I found this one called a full moon teeny, <laughs> which oh. is literally just like a black martini. What is in it? It has like pineapple juice and charcoal and black gin. It Ooh. sounds really good. So, anyways, I am I am definitely gonna make this during like oh and lime juice Yum. as well. So I'm going to make this during uh, Halloween because it looks very fun. But I thought it was dark and moody and probably a drink you would make once just because it looks nice. And then it probably would go back on the shelf and then you probably wouldn't make that ever again. So Okay. I like that a lot. I did absinthe because what else so would good. I do? Uh, <laughs> although saying that, I the other night we were getting pizza for Mother's Day and I so I always wanted to try chartreuse which is like, I don't even know what it's made of. And then uh, Chinar, which is like this artichoke liqueur that's at every bar I ever go into, but I had never tried it. So the bartender who we kind of know gave us shots of each. And Chinar is the wildest tasting thing I've ever tasted. And Chartreuse is apparently to this day made by monks in France and they will not say what's in it. 
it's a secret recipe. So I almost feel like I should do chartreuse instead because A, it made my tongue go numb for multiple minutes. B, <laughs> it's the craziest thing I've ever put into my, like, put to my lips. It tastes insane. And C, it's basically magic because it's a secret recipe. That's actually really sick. I didn't even know about that. Yeah. Wow. You, next time you're Learned in a bar, ask for a shot of chartreuse and you will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like magical toothpaste. Magical toothpaste. <laughs> there it is. That's the line. I'm a new. Ca- I'm. I'm doing a new ad campaign for chartreuse. <laughs> Magical toothpaste. Um, yeah. TV show. What did you have? Um, I did Marvel's Runaways. Um, oh, I, I didn't love know that. This, I love this freaking show. I'm obsessed with it. It's about misfit kids. They have powers and they have to try to figure out what to do with them. So it was a natural. Um, It's like a pretty poorly made TV show. It's definitely a CW type deal that we're dealing with here. But boy, is it addicting. And they have a bunch of like love triangles, like a bunch of teenagers just trying to figure their shit out. So now that I'm like talking about it, I'm like, I need to go rewatch it. (laughs) I think there's only like three seasons. I think it got canceled after that, but it's really good. Okay. Very good to know. Speaking of the CW and speaking of rewatching shows, my television show this week is something I have yet to get able be able to talk about on this podcast, <laughs> Gossip Girl. Yes. Um, and I'm talking the old school one, not the new one, even though I was basically the new one's only fan. I really tried. Yeah, I don't know why I like this show. If you know anything about me, it makes zero sense. <laughs> but if you haven't seen it, it's about... Who is there? There's Blair, Chuck, Serena, Dan, Nate. Okay, so basically... Oh, and Jenny. So basically six... (laughs) The Gossip Girl six. (laughs) uh, Six main characters with many others, uh, including some mothers. So if you're into Gideon's mom, check Lily Vanderwitzen out, I guess is what I would say. Uh, Yeah, it's basically just... It starts about they're elite Upper East Side New Yorkers and they start out in high school and then we follow them into college and beyond and there is a secret um, but also very obvious secret in terms of who Gossip Girl is. Gossip Girl is an anonymous blogger that follows these six people around and wreaks havoc upon their lives. Uh, Tristan and Libby were giving me major Blair and Chuck vibes because (laughs) Chuck is the most toxic human being on the planet and yet like developed a huge fan base, including me, by the way, when I was younger, which (laughs) knowing Ed Westwick and knowing Chuck in the first episode of that show is really something to be saying for the fact that they were able to make him a redeeming character at all, considering he commits sexual assault in episode one. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't describe how much I love this show and I can't describe why I love this show, but I have rewatched it multiple times and uh, power to Leighton Meester is all I have to say. You know, people, people talk a lot about Blake Lively. No, Blair Waldorf single handedly brought that shit down. And Leighton Meester is an underrated television actress <laughs> who should have won an Emmy for her portrayal of Blair Waldorf. And that's literally all I say on the subject. <laughs> We'll get we'll get a uh, Twilight and Gossip Girl uh, short episodes for you guys here shortly. Don't you worry. Don't oh, you I worry. Deeply hope we get to do that. We'll do a Twilight book series uh, review and then we'll do the movies. Oh God! Oh my God! Yeah! Wow! Follow I us. mean, it's so funny considering that. Robert Pattinson just went to the Met Gala and someone was yelling at him outside of his hotel being like, Team Edward. And you're just like, oh, wow, a decade can go by. And we're still there. Yeah. Can't let it go. Can't let it go. Never. The book that I chose was two. I chose two books as you chose two books. Uh, The first one was the last thing he told me. uh, Mostly because... It was the feeling of reading this book uh, because this was such a popular book, is a popular book. They turned it into a TV show. And I genuinely dislike this book so much. I was like so not invested in any of the characters and I got so confused and I got so turned around and I was like, this is not my book. So every time somebody asked me about it, I'm like, I don't like it. And then even Rebecca read it and she's like, I didn't like it. And so I'm like, huh, okay. I feel like we don't like it, but then everybody else is obsessed with it. So that's what I'm feeling. And then the other book is The Institute by Stephen King, which is about um, telekinetic and telepathic kids uh, that are put in this institute and they are supposed to like learn how to use their powers. So it felt very fitting. And then they, you know, rise up against the patriarchy and burn the whole place to the fucking ground, which is like, sorry, spoiler alert, but I guess it's 
I mean, you can guess it from the first page. Come on, it's guys. it's an institute. It or sorry, it's an institute. <laughs> it's a Stephen King book. Like it was written a while ago. If you guys haven't read it, it's okay. <laughs> so I did the maidens. <laughs> I just want you to know that. <laughs> From considering how much we've already talked about this, it's really funny that genuinely my first choice was Twilight before I like reined myself in. It Twilight has nothing to do with this, so <laughs> that's why I changed it. Um, I love it. Maidens you know, is great. Yeah, the Maidens, uh, which we have already read on this show and which you can listen to an episode of. It's a great book about it. It, it essentially combines like dark academia and kind of Murder. Greek occultism with. Murder, murder and mystery, mystery and it's a really really great read and also is like it about about an elite institution and an elite group and what comes of that uh but the other book that honestly popped into my brain very last minute that i loved when i was younger that i think is still a great read no matter what age you are is miss peregrine's home for peculiar children which is basically about this kid who sort of ends up getting sucked into this world that other than the real world uh where he ends up at this boarding school for kids with special powers kind of along the lines of like the x-men and Miss Peregrine is like this all-knowing being who runs the school, very Atlas energy, and he ends up falling in love with one of the girls, and it's just a really great, like, it's especially when you're in middle school or high school, it's a great read, but also it's a great throwback book as you get older, and it's a really, I just remember reading that book and having such kind of being like, oh, this is what a good book is. It was yeah. one of the first books I read that I was like, oh, this is genuinely a very good book. Yeah. Love that. So, I love those books. Great. And, well, and then our movies. <laughs> Mine was, uh, mine's a very specific scene from okay. this movie. So the Kingsman, the Secret Service, so the first Kingsman movie. If you know me, I'm obsessed with these movies. Like, I freaking love these movies. I will... Like, Taron Edgerton. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Give me more of him. Anyways. <laughs> this, this movie, there's, um, like, a scene where he goes to train with, like, a group of elite people that are going to become the new, like, batch of the Kingsmen. This, like, Secret Service, like, type deal. There's, like, a scene where he has he gets a puppy. And then he has to, like, decide, like, he has to kill the puppy. And so he has to, like put a little gun it's not even a puppy they like train these dogs and then they have them for like a year and then they have to kill these dogs it's like part of their initiation and so he like shoots the dog but it's gonna be a blank it, and so like the dog does not die don't worry but it's like that same thing of in order to get to the next level you have to do something absolutely absurd and like something you do not want to do so i felt like that fit in pretty well I am going to break your heart and say that I hated the first Kingsman so much that I did not see any of the others. And I'm really, oh really sorry God. for that. <sighs> I'm done. <laughs> Jenna takes Frick off this, her headphones. Man. Frick I'm this, man. sorry. I'm so sorry. Hurt my soul. I'm really, no, really sorry. it's okay. <laughs> I the second one has Elton John in it. Like, you're, like, they're, <laughs> they're bad. Like, they're betting just out of this world for me right there. I, lo- I really love Colin Firth and I really love Taron Edgerton. I just didn't love that movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. Um, it's okay. weird. I like so, weird movies. I'm, I'm quirky. I'm random. I'm quirky. I like I'm weird. weird. I like, like Boz Lerman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. I really wish we could have ended there. I'm so, I'm so mad that that's not the last line of the podcast. <laughs> My movie for this week is a movie I just watched because I'm making my way through a bunch of 70s movies I haven't seen because I am that nerd. Oh, it's the 70s version. Yeah, is the 70s version of Suspiria, the OG. Um, I just watched it. It's it's really silly, but it's supposed to be silly. Uh, it's like, I, I guess I would call it like gore humor, almost dark gore humor. Uh, But it's basically about this girl who is new to she goes to this dance academy. She's been accepted to this dance academy in Germany. And then she slowly starts to realize that all the staff are witches. And then eventually she I won't I won't spoil the ending, but she sort of has to do some battling against these these evil forces. And it's just a really great 
I mean, it's like, it's not the best movie you've ever seen, but it's it gets the job done. And it certainly has more character development than this book did. So, and, and end of note there. But it just feels in a similar vein because it's like this school, she makes friends with a certain group of other great dancers and they sort of take care of each other. But there's also mm-hmm. a really weird tension throughout the whole thing. And then... You have to battle against an evil force who turns out to be your teacher, a la Atlas style. So, you know, yeah. that's that. And, uh, oi, I'm so glad this episode is done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. That one was a rough one. But at the end of the day, cheers. You have some, yeah, you have some books you like, you have some books you don't. So, cheers yeah. to that. Cheers to that. We love you all. Thanks for sticking with us. And next week will be better. (laughs) Yes, it will be. (laughs) Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. If you want more book related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at RW Reads Podcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at R-W Reads Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.